Hi, this week you are listening to the Alternating Sloth Podcast, episode 3. Alright, uh, so, what have I been up to this week? Well, um, I finished Breaking Bad last night. Uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting um, finale. Getting to see Walter White with hair again was an interesting uh, thing. I'd gotten really used to the bald look for quite a while, so that was quite different. I also assumed that he would die from the cancer, so I was kind of surprised at the way he uh, ended up dying. Um, Spoilers. (laughs) Also, I was a little bit... um, I was a little bit surprised with... uh, I was a little bit surprised of how they went with with Jesse and um, how they brought him back. I I, I was really hoping he would just get get out of the whole whole, uh, meth business and just go on and live his life. But I guess it just chased and caught up with him, um, which is kind of sad. Mike's uh, death was also something I didn't expect. And I was was really quite sad to see that happen. I I quite liked Mike as a character, so that was kind of sad to go. Uh, I knew Hank's death was coming up, but I didn't know how stupid it was going to be. I've really tried to be sympathetic and really tried to like uh, Skylar as a character because I think a lot of the things she does are right. I think she makes a lot of um, the right moves in some parts of the show. But then there are parts of the show where uh, she's just, I get, what they're trying to do i get they're trying to make her sort of in like a a, i don't know what the word is but when you're in a hostage situation and you start to um like your captor and you start to sort of um sympathize with them and you start to get scared if you're not on their side and i can see skylar's very scared and feels trapped but it's annoying me because she gets offered this offer by hank to just talk about what's happening and she could have actually saved hank's life if she just spoke up about all this but instead she just basically doesn't say anything and um just gets angry at hank and then later on yeah we see bloody hank get killed off and you know, I almost was going to, if it wasn't for the fact that it was the last couple episodes, I would have dropped the show because to me, Hank is, is one of the best parts of the show for me. Um, and I just really like that character. So, yeah. So I finished that show. Um, I finished editing uh, another podcast. So there are, so when this comes out, um, there will probably be two podcasts that came out. They were a two-parter of this uh, alternating sloth cast. There were two of them. And um, they took a long time to edit because uh, they're both like 50 minutes and they're both going to be about an hour, I think. Um, but they're going to take a long time to edit. And uh, yeah, but they'll, they'll be out when this is... This, before this is probably out. Uh <laughs> Oh, so yeah, this will be this will be episode three, as I said, and those two will be like episode uh, part two and episode part two, part one or whatever. So technically, this is episode four, but um, most two parters usually count, I think, as like an episode two. So yeah. Uh, but 
Um, what else have I been up to? So there's those two podcasts. I am. I I think uh, I'm gonna say this now for any of our listeners. Um, insert cast that I've been doing for a while is probably gonna go. I used to try and make it weekly. I think it's gonna just be a monthly thing, maybe every second month. Uh, because getting the guest takes longer than I think sometimes. Sometimes I think, oh, because get, getting the guest isn't always hard. You can always contact someone. You can, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll totally do it. But then the problem you run into is you get the guest and then you find that the guest is, you know, can't do it till like next week or the week after or three weeks after. Uh, the worst one I had, I think, was there was one person I got one week and then they couldn't do it until like a whole month. Um, so that stuff sometimes happens sometimes. So it'll be probably twice monthly, maybe monthly. I'm still working it out. I'm working on getting two uh, insert cast podcasts recorded though. So there will at least be 10. And um, what's going to happen is I'm going to record a couple of these. So there'll be about maybe, I'm hoping for at least four or five alternating sloth podcasts before Christmas. Um, I can't make any promises. I'll say four or five at most. That, that's, that's what I can, I guess, I guess four is what I can definitely promise. Five is maybe pushing it. Um, but I'm going to try and, and get those out and record those and um, I'm also going to be working on getting at least one other insert podcast insert cast podcast out and I'd really like to get two out so we can have a nice uh, 10 before I go on a bit of a Christmas break and then I'll try come back in January um, I'll just have to it might be a while because I need to find uh, I'm, I'm currently finishing my studies and then I need to go into work uh, because uh, I'm not getting, um, if, if you want to support the podcast, you know, I haven't got a Patreon yet, but, but maybe I can look into that. Um, but, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into some work um, in the radio field. That's what, that's what I'm looking at at the moment. So, you know, when I get that, uh, that's when I'll, you know be looking at a place as well and when i look at a place i'll be looking at the acoustics of the room uh because probably what i'll be doing for the next couple podcasts is definitely going to be maybe a bit of a different sound uh, i'm going to try as much as i can to make them sound as close as they can to, to where i've been recording um because at the moment i'm recording in a booth in um at my at my campus uh but I probably won't be doing that. Probably what you're going to hear is, and you probably heard this on a couple of the Insert Cast's intros uh, for the Insert Cast podcast. There's a couple intros that I did in uh, my closet with just a jacket, and I'll probably be doing the same thing um, maybe in the next, you know, for a couple podcasts. And I'll probably be doing that uh, because I'm going up to my mum's at one point before Christmas uh but you know up in up in Auckland and then I'm going down to Wellington and for both of those places I'll probably it's it's going to be a different environment so I'll probably be using a a closet uh there as well so the setup's going to be a bit different um and probably a lot less boomier and echoey as you probably noticed this room is a bit 
I like it. It's it's acoustically padded somewhat, but it is a bit boomy as you can probably hear. Um yeah, so that that's a little bit annoying, but you know, that's the case. Um and it is it is reasonably pretty good, so I'm a little sad to to not have this this room and some of the setup. Uh I also don't have a mic stand. So I'll be looking into getting one of those before the next podcast. And um yeah, so we don't oh, and I don't have a pop filter as well. So uh my you probably do notice I'm not that great with even having a pop filter on. You're still probably hearing a couple P's and and B's every now and then. But uh there'll be you know, I, I'm gonna try as hard as I can to EQ them out a little bit in the general mix when I have to switch setup. But for now, uh for just this one and maybe for one other podcast uh, that I can try to do this week. They're gonna, you know, you're gonna have this nice pop filter and bit of a boomyish room, but uh, it won't be as bad as as the closet, which is gonna be a little bit different. Um, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's gonna be different, and it might not. It might take me a while to get some things to sound as good as they did here. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so what else did I do? Um, okay, so I went to a fair this week. Uh, I went I went to a fair on Sunday and uh it's i'm recording this currently on tuesday night yeah and i went i went on saturday and uh it was yeah it was it was fun it was we had a really nice it's funny i complained about rain and weather and um we had we had uh, it was like i think it was two or three really nice uh sunny days and um the weather's just been just been pretty good uh for the most part we've had you know we've got a bit of a cloudy day today but that's fine uh it means it means i don't feel as bad staying in and working on stuff uh as i did on on the sunday when it was really nice out but i wanted to to work on this podcast so i just kept on working on that uh but but the the fair was on and they had uh blacksmiths there making cool stuff and I also, I've been trying to learn how to juggle uh, recently because I learned how to juggle actually a couple, would have been like a month ago, uh, I was staying somewhere and I learned how to juggle. So I wanted to learn how to uh, juggle. I wanted to, I wanted to keep, keep at that. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I did try and look at getting some juggling balls. Um, I was a little bit broke uh, on the Saturday. I didn't even have 30 bucks, which was, uh, they had a set of ball, like a set of juggling balls for about, I think it was about, yeah, about 30 bucks for, for two balls or something. It was some ridiculous price like that. Uh, but I went around the fair, I saw some of the food stuff. Uh, there were so many dogs. <laughs> Must have just been, you know, nice weather, bring your dog out, that sort of thing. Um, let me see. There was also some people doing fire juggling. And I think, some of it's impressive. Um, some of it wasn't because in Vicargal, even on the sunniest day, it was still a bit windy. And one person had like just a spear sort of uh, stick thing that was meant to have two fire ends. And the fire just went completely out on his. So he was basically just spinning around a stick for, for the most part. And he wasn't doing uh, bad tricks or anything. It was just like, oh, well, it's not that impressive now. Versus there was one person like spinning around these... Um, these like lanterns on like a on like a little little um 
sticks that she was spinning around and that was that was really amazing she was spinning them around her head and under her leg it was oh it was amazing like awesome uh one person had like a big ring thing they were spinning around them it was it was pretty crazy and um i was gonna i've been still looking for an open mic night thing and i was gonna go to one of their things because they looked like they were gonna have one at the fair but I went there and it just didn't seem like there was a very big crowd. It didn't seem like there was anyone uh, getting up to getting up to perform. And there was no guitar or anything up there. And I, I own a guitar uh, that I practice on and play a lot on. And I've even recorded some stuff with it. Um, but it's I don't like I don't I really don't want to bring it live because it's it's a bit warped. So. It, it just doesn't sound very good live, um, no matter what type of EQ or whatever sort of things you do of it. It's just, it just sounds pretty bad. And so I didn't really want to bring that down. I was really hoping they would have their own sort of guitar like a lot of open mic nights do. But they didn't. So, yeah. Um, but I did hang around there. I did walk around in the heat and just took it in and then checked out some of the stalls and uh, saw some of the people around. Uh, I think. You know, there's some interesting, there was some interesting clothing and, and stuff. Um, there's a very different, you know, I like, I kind of like a little bit some of the circusy feel of the fair. There's, there's some cool sort of stuff like that. And I think it's, um, I've always been a big fan of travel. Uh, I really like traveling. I really, it's one of the reasons why I like walking. I like to explore. I'm not necessarily against hiking either. Uh, just for me, I think... I like I like it as a solitaire activity. I think a little bit more. I've done it with some people, and um, not necessarily with friends, but I've done it with like family and stuff. And I find sometimes it's fine, but I find the most fun I have is when I'm either like going on a walk or a hike or something, and I've got music in my ears, or I am just like hearing and taking in nature, uh, but I'm doing it um, by myself because I'm getting to see things and I'm getting to experience things and I I push myself a little bit harder when I'm by myself to to uh go the extra mile especially if I've got music and I forget how long I'm walking for and I remember I remember I did like I think I did three hours three hours or something um at walking in Wellington I think I yeah I did like from my house, which was in my house, which was in Coolburnie, I walked all the around, all the way around Island Bay, which is an area in Wellington, um, kind of the coastal area. I walked all the way up there, and then I walked up like another big, a big hill around that area, and I just kept on walking. And I think, yeah, I did about three hours or or something like that, and I was just listening to music, and that just pushes me sometimes to. To, to keep going and I've tried doing it without music sometimes and sometimes I can push myself sometimes I need the music uh to get myself going a little bit more but if I have someone with me it's especially sometimes uh not as good I find for me I I um I do find myself just talking to the person sometimes uh which I don't mind uh, as you can hear I like to talk I don't know, I, I like, there's there's a really nice serene feel about being alone and doing like a big walk or a big hike by yourself. It can, uh, it can be really, really nice. And I, yeah, I just, I really like it uh, sometimes, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a form of exercise that I miss down here. 
uh, Invercargill's very flat, and that's probably my least favorite thing about Invercargill is just the flatness. Versus, like, I go into Dunedin. I love walking around Dunedin because it's it's kind of hilly. Uh, even if it's just you know walking up and down the road, freaking love it. You know, I I just I I don't like it when it comes to uh, earthquakes and and things like that. But being in somewhere that's really hilly is a lot more fun for me to walk around in my opinion than just walk around somewhere that's completely flat i know it's more tiring and you sometimes if you get a really big hill you have to push yourself but i kind of like that a lot more than just complete flatness it's it's sort of a boring to me uh so yeah so i i went and did that uh i've been still learning to juggle and uh, I got offered a gig that's coming up this Saturday. I hope that goes well. Uh, we're just working out a set list still with um, a friend of mine. But, uh, you know, here's hoping. Good, good luck and all. Um, so, yeah, I've been working on that. I'm still, I've, I've just been thrashing it out on the guitar because I had, I had that set list for Zookeepers and... Uh, I'm probably going to take a lot of those songs and just do them at this this gig that I've got coming up because it's not an originals gig. Uh, it's more of a covers thing. And um, I, I actually, you know, a lot of people uh, I find now, people, people say like they, um, some people act like they don't like creating uh, songwriting, but there's lots of people that I think uh, can be songwriters and like songwriting a lot more than I do. I'm really not a big fan of lyric writing. I, which is funny because I, I like I like writing. Uh, I don't like writing essays and, and, and things for assignments. But um, I have written scripts before. I've written poems before. I've written lots of stuff. But I don't like uh, I don't like it when I have to write lyrics because it's so personal and I do get very worried uh i i feel I, I feel like some of the worst parts of me come out sometimes when i write lyrics um sometimes the best parts but but you know i i can get into a very uh i'll, I'll be writing really i'll have a really positive melody but then i'll have trouble thinking of a happy vocal you know a happy uh lyrical line to to go with it um, the best, the best time when I'm writing lyrics actually is when I'm with someone else and they're coming up with the music and not me. And when we're just improving, basically, I find I, I write better lyrics actually just when I'm on the spot. I write much better lyrics when I'm just on the spot, just, uh, just coming up with it on the fly versus having to sit down and, and write it out or uh work at it over and over again you know maybe maybe i am improvising it but i'm you know improvising it then writing it down then working with the musician or myself and and trying to get it sorted in i've only written really about maybe five or six songs lyrically um i've done a lot of composing just music in general but writing lyrics i find is quite hard writing Writing scripts for me isn't isn't too hard, and writing writing some other aspects isn't. But I find for me, um, not from an academic perspective, but from a mood perspective, and from getting myself there, uh, lyric writing can be quite quite hard for me. I find, 
and I, I don't do it very often. And when you go to a lot of open mic nights and you see a lot of, uh, even, even when I see ads for singers and, and, and people looking for musicians, they're always looking for singer-songwriters, people writing their own material and new stuff. And I always feel a little bit uh, nervous when I see that because I, I, I'm not someone who does that. I'm, uh, I'm a singer. I, I can, you know, I am a singer and I can sing songs, but I'm not a singer-songwriter. Um, I would, you know, I, I would be absolutely fine being in like a, a Bruce Dickinson or an Elton John type situation where someone else is writing my lyrics for me. I have no problem with that. My only problem would, with that would then be if I feel I can't represent what the lyrics are about. Uh, I explain this to my flatmate. If, you know, if someone is giving me lyrics, uh, that's a type of character or a type of person that I can't play. Like, let's say the lyrics are about the African-American experience uh, with gangster culture, you know. I'm, I'm, a pretty, <laughs> I'm a pretty white dude, and I wouldn't call myself a uh, gangster, you know. And I'm, I'm pretty bad at rapping as well, so I wouldn't... I, in that sort of situation, I would feel the lyrics wouldn't be appropriate for me as an artist uh, in terms of the type of brand, the type of image that I can put out as a, as a musician. But if, if someone writes like a love song or heck, um, you know, even if it's like a fake robbery song, I can, I can do like a, you know, I can put on that character and play that character. Um, you know, if it's, if it's really personal and honest and it's about a, a robbing experience, uh, then it's a, then it might fall into that situation of uh, I feel like the lyrics are so personally connected to the other person that it, you know, they're, I would feel weird uh, singing their experience and I would feel almost like, well, can I, you know, can I pull this off? Uh, you know, I would, I would be questioning myself a bit, a little bit. Um, although some would argue, you know, I... I've sung multiple songs that are definitely not from my own experience that are from other people's experience, but I just, um, I just feel, you know, um, if I put out a certain brand or a certain image on stage, I need the lyrics to also reflect that sometimes. And I guess people would say you should just write your own stuff then and you should just create your own, you know, image along with that. Uh, but as I said, you know, I, I get really nervous of that. And there have been times that I've worked with other musicians and they've written the lyrics and I've been singing along. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel... There are, you know, those times I don't, I don't, don't have this sort of questioning of, um, you know, do I reflect these lyrics? Because sometimes if you just get like a generic love song sort of thing um that you know maybe it was like a very personal experience but it's something that most people have had you know it's a relatable uh thing that isn't just specifically to the person then i feel like maybe i can you know represent that uh to the audience um i would like to be better at lyric writing and be more confident in my lyric writing but i always get nervous about what to write about and I always get worried about where I'm going to go in terms of writing. Um, and as I said, when I'm not taking it seriously, when I'm just joking around of it, when I'm improving, I find that's when I actually get, I haven't written like 
songs and I've improvised, but if I'm jamming with someone and I've just improvised lyrics on the spot, uh, it's not always great the first time, but within the second or third time of just sort of playing around with the melody, I find I get something reasonably okay um, because I sort of, I think about it less from uh, what personally I want to convey, you know, the message of the song. Instead, I think, okay, what's the song genre-wise like? What's the feel of the song? And then something lyrically, I find just after maybe the second or third verse will just sort of flow through it. I'll be like, okay, this is a blues song. Um, you know, after a while, I'm just sort of, you know, the pressure of being, uh, I, think, I think I work good under a musical pressure and not an academic uh, pressure, I find for me, because I find I can handle... I can handle pressure on stage as a musician, but an academic pressure is where I start to feel a little bit, uh, I, I, I don't feel, I feel a little bit uncomfortable, uh, I would say. Like, I, I feel really, really comfortable on stage. I, I feel like um, there are instruments I definitely can't play on stage and, and things I'd, I, I'm still working on on stage, like my guitar playing's not perfect, but uh, I've gotten on stage and played guitar and I've, I've sang and played guitar and I would not consider myself a, a virtuoso guitar player. But, uh, you know, to me, um, a lot of my instruments, you know, accompany me as a vocalist. Vocals is my most confident instrument and it's what I usually get up with there first. I'd say, honestly, that if I got up with an instrument that wasn't my vocals, maybe then I would be a little bit uncomfortable as a musician. Um, but it depends on what's being 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 played and uh, whether I'm being assessed or whatever. If it, yeah, if it starts to get academic, then I start to get nervous. If it's just I'm in front of an audience at a pub and maybe we're doing a blues jam and I get on the keys, um, you know, I'm a little bit nervous, but but I I can work under that pressure a little bit. Um, and I might not deliver the best performance, but I'll deliver a performance. This is uh, as a vocalist, you know, I, I, I'm always a little nervous, but not, not at the point where I feel like I, you know, there's been very few times where I, I can't get up on stage because of me as a vocalist. Uh, I had, I had, uh, since I've been here, there was a, there was a jazz night. I remember in my, in my first year when I came to Invercargill. And um, one of the guys who I knew was a guitarist, and he'd play every night. And they were playing this blues uh, song that I'd hear every night, and I I really liked it. But I'd hear it every time. And after a while, I started sort of uh, thinking up lyrics in my head and thinking of how it would sound vocally. And after a while, I found myself just subconsciously, just my body subconsciously getting up and almost going towards the stage. I didn't, you know get all the way out but I'd feel my leg you know get up uh, up above the you know off the floor a little bit and I'd feel my body sort of move and um I would you know once I noticed that I'd maybe sit myself back down but uh, I remember I remember I was subconsciously doing it and I didn't even really notice sometimes um and I'd almost find myself getting up to this you know standing up for a bit and it wasn't until one night uh one person pointed this out to me and just said hey just get up get up and play, you know, they're, they're playing, I don't think they'll mind, you know, I, I knew the guitarist, um, but, I, but I never did, and um, I never did with that performer, but every other time I 
felt like there was a, a chance, I would just take it sometimes. Uh, because you've you've just got to be you've just got to be confident in your own in your own performing skills sometimes. And as I said, I like sometimes working. I like, and I also don't mind working under a musical pressure as a musician. It's just for me an academic pressure uh, is where I get a little bit nervous. And songwriting to me, when it's writing down lyrics, feels very academic. It doesn't always feel. Uh, as creative as some other outlets that I do and I know I probably should it just for me it doesn't um, and maybe that's just high school because I had to write some I had to do some songwriting things uh, maybe it's that I, I'm not too sure to be honest um, so uh, as I did last with the last podcast I did a two-parter where I talked about a subject and I kept on bringing up uh, something when I was talking about my trip to Japan uh, in the last podcast, so I thought I I mentioned that I would touch on my my ear and what was going on there. So I decided this podcast I'll touch on um, my ear operation that I've had recently, uh, how that's going, and you know what what happened exactly. So I think it would have been a couple years. I'm 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 three years into three years into my course um i think two years or a year before my course i was cleaning out my ears with cotton buds and i got someone to help me out and they pushed a little too far and they ended up making a hole in my eardrum and so i had what they call like perforated eardrum and um it was it was not fun i had to listen to everything in my right ear and in fact i took like I took an entire, I took an entire eight months, uh, an eight month break from music, or it was at least a couple, a couple months just not listening to music because I found I just couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it the way I wanted to for a long time, and I didn't play music either, I didn't sing, and I didn't go up and gig, and I felt horrible because, uh, you know, people who are really into performing and and you know. Uh, it really does it for them getting up on stage, um, like me. Uh, you start to find you're almost addicted to that feeling, and and you need to get up there, and you need to, you know, uh, runners, you know, when they run, they get this massive endorphin rush, they get this massive adrenaline rush. For me, going up on stage is the exact same thing. Um, sometimes, you know, I'm 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 sometimes quite nervous before I go on stage. As I said. I'm fine with working um, in a in a you know uh, stressful situation musically, um, and I'm not always nervous. You know I've done it, but but I do find I'm a little bit nervous. But I like being nervous, and I think one person said this to me, and I totally agree with them. You as a musician, you feel a little bit weird, uh, and you almost feel more nervous if you don't feel nervous going into a performance. Because I feel like if I'm a little bit nervous going into performance, um, I don't know, something about it just feels right. And, and I go up and, and I like it because if I'm nervous, it means I'm going to feel a little bit shaky. And then, you know, once I get up on stage, those nerves, I feel they just run up me and I just feel I just run off that nervousness and that adrenaline rush. Like I, I don't... Um, there's only a couple times where I will stand completely still on stage. Uh, and there's been a couple times in the past when I have. 
but I don't like to because my body will just um, naturally just shake on its own, my leg or, or whatever. I have a bit of a leg uh, that just shakes sometimes when I'm nervous. And so I'll find um, if you see me on stage, I will sometimes, you know, walk around the stage a lot more than I think even most people do or run around the stage or, you know, some sort of movement. Uh, there's only a couple situations where that's not the case, you know, the slow songs and, and things like that. But I'm usually moving some part of my body. You, you, you won't necessarily always see it. Like sometimes I'll even just be tapping my foot a little bit uh, while I'm up there. But I like to have some sort of movement and the most confident I am on stage is when I'm not only singing on stage but when I'm dancing or moving around on stage while singing. That's when I'm my most confident. And when this ear thing happened, this perforation, uh, you know, it, it felt like a, a big punch to the stomach. It was just, I, I felt like I had lost a huge part of me that helped me as a musician. Uh, you know, you don't realize how important your hearing is and your ear is until, until it's gone. And so I'm just, you know, I was like almost deaf in, in just one ear for like a whole, a whole year. And um, I had to keep on having operations and, and go on medication and talk with doctors and stuff. And I, I was on my radio course uh, when I had the perforation still. And, um, you know, I was nervous about flying. Um, but then I, you know, uh, and I had certain things that I did that I shouldn't have when I had the perforation. Like, uh, I, got, I got very dizzy on flights and I had a lot of other little problems and I thought the best way to do it was to block my ears. Um, that's not a good way. That actually causes more damage uh, because of all the pressure. So I, you know, I was, when I finally went to Japan, which was, um, you know, because I've had this perforation for a long time, and I thought it had recovered, actually, at the start of the year of my course. That's what I'd been told. And I think it was almost there, but I think doing the 10-hour flight, uh, not, not the way there, but doing it on the way back when I got sick, and I got really sick and I almost vomited on the flight and that pushed my whole face and everything forward along with the pressure. Uh, I think that might have done some damage on top of what I'd already been doing on other flights where I'd been, as I said, blocking stuff up, which I shouldn't have done. And, you know, that basically led to uh, what's happened in the last uh, couple months. So I was in Byron Bay, uh, I don't have the exact dates on me at the moment, um, but I was in Byron for a long time, uh, for a couple months, and I came. I had to come back early because of my operation, and I basically uh, I came in. I I you know I got told um, after the Japan flight that I was going to have to have an operation, which I should have actually mentioned at the start of the sentence. So yeah, I came back from my Japan flight. They told me I was having problems. I went and saw a specialist uh, eventually, and they told me that yeah, you have um, not necessarily a perforated drum. There there was still some damage, but there was liquid and there was uh, things forming behind the air canal that were causing damage to your air. And so I had to have a timpani plasty, which is um, when they basically cut a piece of skin off 
and they basically reattach it as your new eardrum and um yeah i've i've had a new eardrum this this whole time which has been weird because uh i didn't stop i stopped music for like a whole year um after the first you know damage to my ear but um after that year i just couldn't stop myself and i just got back into music and and listening but i wasn't listening to music as much in my left ear with headphones um and speakers I was usually not listening to music on speakers and listening kind of like to mono mixes in, in my right ear, uh, which made me appreciate bass actually a lot more. But now I, I've been listening with uh, music in, in both my ears and um, I've been a little worried lately because I've had, I've had a bit of redness and a bit of itchiness in the eardrum. I'm hoping that's not anything. I'm hoping there's not some fungus behind the ear or something again because it took all this time to uh, fix it and heal it, so I'm hoping, hoping for the best here um, because I don't want to go into surgery again to get it fixed. Uh, but I had to, I had to go in for surgery when I got back from Byron Bay, um, which was another trip which I, I didn't want to do actually, and um, I wanted to just do my studies down south because of because of the Japan fly. I'm not against travel. Uh, I liked. I wasn't. So I said on the Japan trip, I don't regret a single part of it, but I didn't want to do another flight after that, and I didn't have fun on either of the flights uh, into Australia from New Zealand. I, in fact, I had two. F- I had uh, two flights to Australia. I had one from Invercargill to. Um, oh no, it might have been, been even more than that because we did, we did Invercargill to Christchurch and then Christchurch to Auckland. And then um, maybe you did Christchurch or maybe we did Auckland. I, I'm a little bit hazy on the details, but I know we had, we had, yeah, I think it was two flights. I think it was just Christchurch. And uh, then I think, um, I think up to, uh, let me see. Yeah, I think, it, I think it was just mostly Christchurch and then up to, to, up to Australia uh, and Byron Bay. Um, to the Gold Coast, yeah, that was where we went first. Um, so yeah, we we went on that flight. The first flight wasn't that long, but just the altitude alone, uh, I almost passed out on the first flight. I almost went completely out of it, and I felt really heavy and dizzy, and yeah, I I felt like I was almost passing out. And um, I managed to get through the second flight because I was dizzy and all that again, but my person next to me one of the people in class was like are you okay and I was like no and I pushed the button to call someone from the staff and they made sure I was okay uh so that was very nice of them but uh it wasn't the worst flight um that I had that one I got through pretty good even though it was the longest one and um I did that and I find I found um when we got in I was still a bit you know out of it but after after that day I was sort of fine and um yeah I I guess I at some point I could maybe even talk about Byron Bay uh maybe maybe the next podcast or so I'll think about it because uh, it was a big trip uh but it's not the first time I've been to to Australia but uh yeah the second flight so I had I had to do another flight and I had to go through customs and ooh customs so uh <laughs> First customs was understandable because um, I went from and and Australia surprisingly I went through all their customs and stuff didn't have any problems um, 
I left, I accidentally left my wallet, I think it might have been my phone or something, outside of the customs area, but they were very understanding, they let me go back, they let me get my stuff and then go back for again. I had to still sort of empty my stuff, but they were very patient with me and and I was um, less angry with the fact that I had to take my belt and shoes off now because of how nice they were being. And uh, the airport wasn't that bad. Gold Coast Airport, I, I didn't mind. Um, I found it was a little bit hard to get around, but it wasn't too bad. It wasn't that different, actually, from Auckland Airport. But Auckland Airport, I was... the <laughs> Going through immigration is a pain in the ass, um, especially because the the flight from Gold Coast to New Zealand, I went on the first flight. I felt myself, I thought I was fine. I was sitting back in my chair. I thought I was completely good. And then we started to take altitude and I felt myself, okay, this is the usual dizziness, the usual uncomfortableness. But as I said, at the time I was having like, uh, there was liquid and some other stuff and it was just really red, my eardrum at the time. And I think my eardrum at that point was like, you need, you don't, you shouldn't be on a flight. Like my eardrum was just telling me. Um, and it was just sore and hurting and it was worse than anything I'd ever had. I was dizzy as well, but I was also, I felt like my ear was bleeding out and it wasn't, but I felt like it. And I was just an immense pain and um, I, I'd taken painkillers like a couple and my, my, uh, paracetamol and, and things like that but they just weren't kicking in fast enough and so I was just sitting there on the flight just um, in immense pain just trying to trying to get through it trying to cope with it and I found I just couldn't cope with it enough and I had a panic attack on the flight and it got to the point where my hand was like shaking like crazy and um, I was, you know, hyperventilating quite badly, and uh, it was it was not a fun flight. Um, and the staff tried to help me, uh, but as some of you might have heard in my last podcast, I've had uh, I had a fall at one point, and um, when I when I have like a really bad fall or like a panic attack or something, I tend to have my speech tends to get a bit stuffed up too, and I. Uh, when I have a panic attack, it's it's not as bad. It's not as jittery. It's not as mo- not like that, which was what my my uh, collapse was like. I, I I couldn't talk, almost get words out. With my uh, panic attack, I I start to get just a, a weird sort of um, stutter that I had, and and they were asking me what I needed, and I I I I I I try to know get words out and and i found myself sort of sort of doing that a lot um and i i found myself just you know they were really trying to help and and it took a long time to say i've had a panic attack you know trying to trying to say that to them and uh eventually they you know figured out what it was and um i've never had i've never had uh i've never had this happen on a flight so it was a it was a weird experience, but um, it was also uh, it also showed me how nice the staff were because um, they they got like a big air tank from they got a big air tank and uh, had like a mask and an air mask and they put it on my post like this and um, 
can't see that, but you know, you can imagine I'm probably talking like this with the mask on, and uh, they were, they were, you know, just pumping pumping air into me, and um, it actually felt, it felt pretty good. Uh, a friend of mine, I told her what happened, and she told me, it's not actually the best way you're supposed to do. You're supposed to usually they're supposed to you know tell you to breathe into the bag, back and forth sort of thing, but. I didn't care. The oxygen was kind of um, nice, uh, and I was hyperventilating, so you know, I guess maybe that helped. Um, and then the guy, <laughs> the guy on the flight, and I wish I could remember his name because I'd like to personally thank him. He sat down with me um, and just talked to me very normally. Just asked what I needed. Um, you know, he got me. He got me some extra because I. I have low blood sugar as well. I feel real lightheaded when I when I'm on flights, and so I usually, um, you know, I, I don't always have a panic. I don't have a panic attack on flights, but I've you know in the past, as I said, I've had these dizzy spells, and I get very lightheaded and dizzy. So I usually ask for for sugar or chocolate or something, and so they've they gave me like a, um, a I think two candy bars and like a couple. Um, things of cookies and stuff and a couple packs of sugar and I just melted some I tried melting some of those down and they tried giving me a cup of water and I had to actually get the guy I had to get two things and the guy who was next to me I had to get him the one hold on in my hands because it wouldn't stop shaking uh, because I had a really bad uh, shake in my hand just like back and forth back and forth and the other hand was both of them were doing it and um, they tried giving me a drink and <laughs> I did the comedic sort of thing uh, of, you know, you group someone a cup who's shaking and they just shake all the water out. I almost did like basically that because I couldn't hold the cup. And so uh, I had to, had to get him to hold one of my hands so it could calm down a bit enough for me to then be able to grab the cup, um, you know, or, and sometimes he was like pouring it for me and then helping me get the drink in my mouth and, and stuff. Uh, so that would be, he was being very nice of me and, um, he was being kind of funny as well, trying to trying to calm me down. Like he he asked me what I did, and you know, I said I was an audio engineer, and he asked me. Um, he, I think I brought up I was a musician, and he asked what I play, and I said I play guitar, and he says, "Oh, do you know? Uh, I think it's Snowblind by by Red Hot Chili Peppers." Like, do you know do you know that song? And I was like, uh, "No, but but I could I could learn it." And he goes, "Oh man, do, do, do you have your guitar here?" I was like, uh, "No." And he's like, "Oh, it's a shame, man. I could have." you know, got one of the boosts, you know, one of the things up and got it out and we could, we could have a jam or something. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, I can play that. We could, we could, you know, have a jam along. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he was, he was just doing that constantly on the flight. And uh, it took me, I had, I think the flight was three hours, three hours total. And uh, it took me two hours to, uh, like not not um I think the stutter was gone within an hour like not permanently but it was mostly gone within an hour. Uh, my breathing was fairly fine-ish like after after an hour, but my hands uh one of my hands didn't stop shaking for a whole two hours, and that made things difficult with with eating and and things like that. And um, I uh, I ended up watching on the flight. I ended up watching uh. I didn't want to l listen to anything or have sound, so I wanted to pick a movie where I didn't need the sound to, to to rely on telling the story. So I ended up watching John Wick Three because, in my opinion, you can just watch that movie and you can visually get what's going on in the story. Yeah, there's 
dialogue scenes, but you could put subtitles on and, and still get what's going on. And, you know, you're mostly watching John Wick for the fight scenes, you know, for the visual aspect of it. So I wasn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really that upset. I actually got into it, like watching it with the subtitles and just watching it with no sound. I, I, um, I found it was, was fine just doing it that way. And, and, you know, I was, you know, at, my ears were still sore. And I, as I said, I was still stressing out. But um, I actually found watching John Wick uh, beat people up with a horse was uh, actually calming me down quite a bit. And I was just enjoying the action and having fun. And uh, it also helped that, that there was a, a cute flight attendant who uh, came up and asked if I was all right. Um, kind of wish she sat next to me a couple of times and, and checked if I was okay. But, you know whatever uh she came around a couple times and asked if i was i was okay and that was nice um so yeah that was that was the you know that was the flight but i was still uh you know even after all that i was still quite shaken from just the experience of having that on the flight and um i managed to get some food and then go to the bathroom and and do all that but um i ended up i ended up being uh been very nervous when you know I, I before i even got to go and get some food and go to the bathroom i had to go through customs and customs in auckland when you have to come in is a lot crazier than when you're leaving the country customs you know going into the country is um even just as a new zealand citizen going into australia you still have to uh sorry as a new zealand as a new zealand citizen coming from australia going into new zealand you still have to go for a pretty massive line uh, to, you know, with a, with a little paper sheet to go, you know, get it, get it, uh, hand it into someone to get your bags through and go through. And the biggest problem I ran into is one, I went to the wrong area to go grab my bag because I was, as I said, I still shake it up. I was still like, my mind was still uh, just exhausted from the whole experience. And, you know, I, I felt completely drained. Um, so I ended up waiting at the wrong area until someone said, uh, are you waiting for your bag? And I said, yeah. And they said, uh, which one? And I was like, well, I've just been on this flight. And they went, oh, yeah, well, you're probably all the way down there. So I had to walk all the way down to that area, then grab my bag. And then I realized I didn't have the paper slip that you needed to fill out to say, you know, um, you're, you know, you're on this flight, you're this person, you have, you know, what's in your bag, all that stuff. So I ended up having to write one of those uh while waiting in line they gave me a sheet and um they let me they let me sit by a desk and then one of the guys said i explained my situation and he said oh you can just sit here and then you know i'll let you through and and you can go through and he was very nice of that but i kind of rushed my way through the paper thing because i was still very nervous and when i went to the guy i probably you know i get he's trying to do his job um and i i I now get where he's coming from, um, you know, a very nervous guy who hands him a sheet that didn't, you know, that I hadn't ticked the box if I had known or what was in my, my bag um, would look very, you know, look like I'm a drug person or something. I, it doesn't help that I, I don't have long hair, but, you know, I have the beard and, and, and bright ginger hair and, and I sometimes wear metal shirts and things like that. I wasn't wearing one that day, but I'm the type of person who you'd look at and you'd maybe think that. So, you know, he probably might have thought I was, you know, had drugs or something and I was very nervous about that. Uh, I was mostly nervous of the flight, of course, but, you know, that didn't matter to him. 
So he, you know, I tried ticking it and um, I, 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 I at first just out of nervousness just said, uh, no, I don't know what's in my bag. But I said it like, no, 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 no. But, but then I was like, no, yes, yes, I, I, you know. And, and he, you know, he was like, oh, okay, well, you're going to have to go through the check thing, you know, to get your bag checked, which was pretty annoying. So I had to go through that and then get my stuff. And I was nervous because I had bought uh, this interface and this mic and I didn't know if they could actually go through the, the, um, the x-ray, x-rays, but uh, they, they could. They definitely could, but I was a little bit worried going through with them. Um, you know, I was worried something might happen. But I ended up getting through. I ended up, like, uh, since that happened, I, I was kind of, you know, I didn't have much time. So I went, to the, I went to the toilet as quick as I could. I tried to order something as quick as I could. And then, you know, waiting. Um, I ended up being late for customs, though, and they called me. And the annoying thing is that I talked to my friend about this who has someone who works in, in the airport. If you're going, like, if you're in New Zealand and you're a New Zealand citizen going to another part of New Zealand, you generally don't have to take everything off. You don't have to take, uh, I think it's your belt and your shoes off, I think. Well, I think you might have to take, but you don't have to take, I think your belt still comes off, but not your shoe. And I had to take, they made me take my belt, my shoes, and every, like, thing, like, off, like, metal and all that. So I had to do all of that, and I was running, like, late, and they were calling me, they called me twice, like, to come on. They had already bought, almost, like, boarded the entire flight. So, yeah, I then got on that second flight, and I was really nervous. My leg was shaking, and um, I was just in, like, a, you know, I was just not feeling great. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, you know, my leg's shaking, and... Um, you know that I started sort of uh you know feeling dizzy and nauseous again and the person you know uh, they had been on the previous flight with me from the Gold Coast and they're like oh you had a problem before I was like yeah yeah so I explained they brought you know the air people over and they asked me if I wanted to lay down you know I'm gonna say this if you have vertigo or like problems of dizziness it's not a bad uh you know excuse to lay down but on a flight what you're trying to do if you have dizziness is you're trying to ground yourself. You're trying to, you're trying to um, keep yourself balanced. You're trying to sort of uh, straighten your legs up, you know. Yeah, and it can be very difficult because you can be like having dizziness and be, you know, the whole plane's on like a side and ugh, it could be like, be terrible. Uh, but it's even worse, I think. Like I've never done it, but I know it would be even worse for me laying down because the hardest thing when you have vertigo or any ear like sort of issues where you've got a heaviness or something, when you get up, it's way worse. Like when you when you lay down, you're fine, and you're fine for like a decent amount of time. But once you get up that first time, you're gonna be feeling like this massive amount of heaviness and and crap like for a little bit. Uh, and it will subside after a while, but it's pretty shit. And so I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to do that. I was like, no, no. And I ended up just, um, I vomited twice and then just, you know, I was fine after that. And then, uh, yeah, I came back from Auckland and went into Invercargill. And uh, I stayed in Invercargill for the night. And then my dad came and picked me up and we drove to Dunedin for my operation uh, because Invercargill, has decided to cut their EN, uh, ENT department because of, like, funding. <laughs> uh, so, which is a little bit annoying. means I can't have my operation down here. So I had to, had to drive about three hours with my dad up to uh, Dunedin. 
And um, it was a good experience, though, because I hadn't caught up with my dad in a while, and we had sadly had uh, we'd had a death in the family at the time. My grandma had had died um, while I was in Byron Bay, and I couldn't be at the funeral, and I couldn't fly down because I I knew the the flight already just going back was going to be you know it's going to be torture, uh, and I felt just really terrible the whole time um well not the but the the whole time afterwards it just it took me a long time to just grieve and and i wouldn't say get over the whole thing i'm still a bit uh upset and you know i think for me it would be visiting the gravestone and you know um doing all that is gonna is gonna really help me out uh because yeah i just found the whole experience was just it, it was so it just hit me when when I, when I, when I when I heard the news uh so getting to be with my dad and you know um and us just sort of talking it out and 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 uh you know sitting in the car and and get it we didn't we didn't really necessarily we talked a little bit about it uh but you know trying to trying to help him because he's he also lost his uh my parents have been divorced for a while, and my dad got remarried a couple of years ago, and and uh, sadly his um, his uh, wife, uh, his new stepwife, passed away this year at the same, I think within a week, uh, the week before my grandma died, uh, she died of cancer. So we we had that happen, and uh, you know, so I was I was trying to, you know, also get ready for my operation, but you know, and and not get too nervous of that and calm myself, but also to try and you know help my dad through this this uh, grieving process and just make sure he was okay and you know uh, comfort him. It was the I think we hadn't actually physically seen each other in in three years as well. So because I I was at my course uh, down in another part of the country because he's up north in Taranaki. So. You know, we we just uh, we bonded. Um, you know, we ate, we we had a lot of meals together. We uh, we ended up going into Milton and trying. We I, I said to Dad, just um, I I didn't realize how small the town was until we actually stayed there. But I said I said why don't we stay here and then drive into Dunedin because we were about four hours away uh or, or not not four hours it was about uh i'm trying to remember it was about 20 20 minutes or something like it wasn't it wasn't that far away um it was a lot closer staying in mil there, there were some there was one other place but i think milton was pretty close for us uh driving to dunedin for the operation um because we couldn't stay in dunedin because there was uh, a fleetwood Fleetwood Mac concert was on that week and so we couldn't stay in Dunedin so we ended up having to stay in Milton and Milton is uh Milton is an interesting place um I think most Americans would find it pretty boring uh I was actually surprised when we met someone there who was from Canada and uh she was a nice person and met her and a friend of hers who's from uh, Korea but I was very surprised to see them in Milton because Milton doesn't have any massive tourist attractions. It's, uh, you know, in terms of small towns, it's an even more smaller town than Chicago, which is, you know, a pretty small town. 
but uh, Milton is, you know, small town of small towns. It's it, it, funny enough, when you drive in, it says place of opportunities, and then it has this big, giant um, factory that looks like uh, the one off the Black Sabbath album cover. It's just... <laughs> It looks it looks creepy as hell. It's just got this overgrown bush and you know uh just yeah, it just looked just frightening a little bit when you came in. And uh you just drive through and you're like, Wow, there's there's nothing going on uh here. There's like uh, two two bars, um well not even two bars, like two your your local RSA, which is the uh I can't remember what it is, but it's like a it's like an old person's bar type thing. And then, you know, you've got maybe one uh, bar sort of place, like the town one. And then you've got, you know, you've got the museum. Um, you've got two fish and chip shops, which is a typical Kiwi thing. Uh, but there was like no other food. There was a subway there, which was like baffling to me. And then there was uh, a couple like little uh, what people would consider, you know, 7-Elevens. We, you know, we just call them dairies here. Um or we we call them. I think they're like uh, uh what do you call them? The oh, I can't I can't remember the name. But there's there's one particular brand that we have down south. Uh, that's not like a four square, although they had a four square. Uh, but they have these you know these little uh places you can do your shopping and stuff. And but it was very small. Uh, I'd say there were maybe about. <laughs> In the in the town, I'd say maybe twenty people at most in the entire town. Um, that's what it seemed like to me. Like there were a lot of houses, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was only twenty or maybe thirty people at most in the entire town of uh, Milton. It's just completely small, not much going on, and so we ended up driving into Dunedin quite a bit. Uh, but we, you know, because we're in the small town and not much was going on, it gave us the excuse to walk around and just talk and and bond and then drive uh, up in sort of the more countryside. We went on a big uh, bush trek and uh, we, you know, we, we did that. Um, that was fun. You know, as I said, I like, I like doing bush treks. That was one of the few times where I, I did like going on a bush trek with someone because, as I said, I, you know, hadn't been around my dad in a long time and uh I think he I think he was you know, I don't think he'd seen I'm not that fit, but I'm pretty fit when it comes to doing bushwalks and, and walking on stones and jumping over things and stuff and I think it was uh you know, I don't think he, he realized I was pretty good when it came to doing that sort of thing. So it was nice to it was nice to do that. Um and we went to the museum at one point and uh I felt really sorry for the lady running it because she she uh, just started telling us like uh, everything that was going on with her at that time when we ran into her. She she told us like her mother died and and all the stuff she was going with, and she asked us like oh what we were doing and you know very chatty, very. Um, I think maybe she gets maybe two, maybe three or four people in a day in that place so uh, you know to me i wasn't surprised that there was uh that she was that chatty i mean even i remember i went to like the dairy the local you know 7-eleven whatever you want to call it and um i went and bought like just a drink just like a it was like an aloe vera drink thing um i, I quite like them and uh, i got one that was like grape flavored i got a different flavor one and she looked at it and she goes, I've never had these. Uh, she goes, uh, I've, I've had one of those before. Didn't quite like it. I, I just can't see it. But they're coming off the shops, uh, the shelves like crazy. And 
you know, I was sort of just like, okay, yeah, just sort of going with it. And she just, you know, just kept on talking. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm fine with someone talking. Um, you know, I like, I like a friendly town and I like talking with uh, shopkeeps and stuff. But I was, I was quite surprised. And it did make me realize that, yeah, Milton is pretty small. They probably don't get a lot of people coming in. So, you know, when they do get someone in, you know, they, they love to, you know, chat and talk. And um, we, you know, I also got some records when I was there, which was cool. I got, I think I paid like maybe $2 and I got two, two records. I got a Connie Francis one, which is a really awesome reverb. It's a bunch of Spanish songs. And uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, Winfred Atwell, which is like a ragtime sort of... Um, boogie woogie style uh piano player really cool piano stuff so i got those two records when i was there as well and i remember uh the reason one of the reasons we had to stay in milton as well as my dad had booked somewhere in dunedin and the guy was kind of a dick in dunedin and cancelled our reservation at the last uh there was some sort of this you know problem and he he just cancelled our reservation of at the last minute without you know really telling us because apparently my dad hadn't done some online thing with the reservation or something and um, my dad you know he was pretty pissed about it and uh, he mentioned it to one person in the shop and then I remember everybody in the shop was was talking with my dad and not only that but they were taking his side and they were like wow if you you know they even said things like uh, they were talking about you know well if you know if someone if someone wanted to come to you know to stay somewhere and go to Dunedin, I would, you know, I'd house them for the night and I'd give them a steak and, you know, we don't do that sort of thing down here. And, you know, it was, it was a very, uh, <laughs> very interesting experience to see everybody come together. And the place we stayed in Milton uh, was a really nice uh, backpackers. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we stayed with uh, this guy from Switzerland uh, who I'm blanking on the name right now. I wish I could remember his name because he's a really cool guy. And uh, he's very talkative, very, uh, very friendly, um, very welcoming. He, you know, he, he generally just stayed around the house. And I think um, I saw some reviews for the place. And some people, I think that did creep out uh, that he, you know, stuck around most of the time at the place. He didn't leave. Um, you know, he only left sometimes. He'd go outside and, and work on things, but he wouldn't leave the actual the actual uh, motel, you know, that we, that we stayed in. But he was, he was just a really nice guy. I had a lot of interesting stories. Um, I got to see my dad, you know, for me, it was nice seeing my dad get to bond and talk with someone else as well because, uh, you know, talk about something other than the grief he was dealing with and the stress he was dealing with when the guy uh, mentioned that he was into motorbikes and showed him like a motorbike he has. My dad's a big motorcycle person. And so they got to bond over, over motorbikes and over the travels they had done on motorbikes and stuff. And that was really nice to see my dad smile and, and see this happiness and excitement in him that I didn't really get to see for the first couple of days when I was with him. I saw a little bit of it, but I didn't get to see a genuine happiness and genuine excitement that I got to really see with my dad when he, you know, um, got to talk with this guy from, from Switzerland. And uh, yeah, he 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 was very nice. He 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 did our dishes. Um, that was one of his things. He's like, no one does dishes. I do the dishes here. Uh, that was one of his rules. Um, but you know, just very friendly. Um, I he had a guitar and a piano there. He didn't play any of this stuff, but he had them there just for guests. 
and so I, I, you know, jammed a couple times, and he was absolutely fine with that. Uh, you know, I, I, I actually, I used my, I bought a new wok when I was there, and I used his stove, and it was better than the one I've got at my place, and his is like a wood fire stove that he was, you know, uh, it was a real fancy one, and he was making bread and all sorts of things in it. He was a, he was a, a vegetarian guy, uh, but he's a very nice guy, and I liked the place a lot, and, um, you know, I would, I would kind of recommend it. I did like it, and I would go there again if I had to stay in Milton. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend that people stay in Milton. There's not much really going on. But if you have to, uh, there's a nice backpackers in Milton run by a Swiss guy. And, um, yeah, he's a little bit over-friendly, but he's a nice guy, and he'll help you out and make sure you're okay. Um, and he's got a lot of interesting interesting stories and it's really well priced um and i thought the beds weren't too bad either i i actually had to uh i had to i had to go back to dunedin again and um i stayed at another place and that place well i'll get into it but uh wasn't as great as the one i stayed in in milton in terms of the beds uh not not as great because i can tell you like when I get a pillow that I can, you know, feel that isn't like it's either too soft or it's it doesn't feel right. Like it feels like it's hot or something like, you know, or there's like some sort of I'm worried like that might be dirty or something. You know, that that's when um, that's when I know I'm like at a bad, you know, a bad motel or, you know, that sort of thing. Backpackers of the night. Uh, but we we stayed there. Actually, it was a backpackers. Sorry, not a not a motel. If you need a a backpackers to stay in Milton, then uh, I think it's the Happy Backpackers in Milton. That's the place we stayed, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed the guys' company, and we we didn't like it. The I think I didn't really enjoy it the first couple of days, but after a while, uh, not necessarily the, the place Milton grew on me, but the backpackers grew on me after a while and i think it helped that i made friends with uh two of the ladies that were staying there someone from canada and someone from korea and just talking with them and hanging around with them around the place and also my dad um that was you know that was just a nice experience and uh it it felt um funnily enough the internet was really good there but i guess being in a in a town that's a bit more far away from a lot of things, it it felt especially after coming from Australia where uh, where we were staying, it was like very lot of cultures, lot of lots of things going on. This was just really quiet and still, uh, and that was kind of nice sometimes. Uh, so the actual operation itself. So I drove me and my dad drove out to Dunedin. Uh, I played some music that I wanted to hear before I went in. And then I think I played some music on the way back after we, oh, yeah, because I knew I knew I was going to have to have stitches done. Um, so I listened to some Alice Cooper, I think some Albert Collins and some Albert King and some other stuff uh, on the way up. Um, I like I like a lot of blues, some rock, and I think even, oh, I had some Bossa Nova stuff in there as well because I like Bossa Nova too. So we had some uh, Jean Gilberto and... Um, yeah, lots, lots of different stuff. So we had, we had uh, that. You know, I I got my dad to play some of that stuff in the car, and um, we drove up. We went, um, we went and we waited just in the waiting room, and uh, it took a long time. I first uh, had to 
I first saw someone just for a general talk, and I think it was just a general explanation of what's going to happen. And then I think it was maybe two or three hours. They finally came and they uh, gave me like a little, uh, uh, what do you call it? I don't know what it's exactly called. My friends would probably... One of my friends who's a, who's a nurse would probably know exactly what this is. Um, they put, you know, something in your arm that they're going to put the, uh, the blood and stuff for, and, you know, they're going to pump things into you. They put one of those and they did like a little injection um, to make a hole and they put that in. And uh, I, I, actually, I actually asked my dad if he could leave the room because I'm very nervous of needles and um, I was worried I was going to get very upset. So I didn't want him to see me like that, but uh, I did very well. Um, I did fine with it, you know, and actually I think I just did better because I did it by myself with the guy there, with the nurse there. And um, yeah, they put that in and then I waited and I think my dad was, uh, he, he, he was very patient the first couple, the first hour or two, but I think after a while he was a little bit pissed having to wait. And, um, but you know, whatever, you know, he's... He was uh, very supportive for the most most part, and uh, you know it was. I I'm extremely grateful that he was there for the entire you know surgery, and um, I was waiting in like my my gown and uh, little. They had these little slipper things that I wore in these big socks, and I had the little netting over my like this little hairnet over my head, and uh, I went in for the operation. I laid down on the operating table, and uh, I remember. I, I was just very sort of, um, I was nervous before the surgery. Once I got in, I was just very matter of fact. And it was just very matter of fact. They were just like, okay, Connor, um, you're going to have this. You know what this is? I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. And they're like, we're going to do this. And I was really hungry as well. I wanted to eat and I wasn't allowed to eat. I was only allowed black co- coffee or tea at that point. And uh, it's funny because right after the operation, I didn't really want to eat anything. But before the operation, I was freaking starving because I hadn't ate for like uh, I had to skip breakfast and lunch to to do this operation and so I'm sitting I'm sitting there uh, I'm waiting there they're getting all the stuff set up and they're talking to me about what's you know gonna happen and it was about you know maybe uh, two or three minutes just sort of sitting there and then eventually they said okay we're gonna um, pop this thing in you know and and you're gonna feel they said you're gonna feel a little bit dizziness um, maybe a headache and like I, I didn't feel the dizziness straight away, but I definitely felt the headache. I was like, oh, okay, oh wow, wow, this is hurting. Like I was like, oh, this is, this is not great. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is like three hangovers in one. And uh, you know, and then after like they're like, okay, now we're gonna pump the the thing in, you know, to to um, you know, and they said, I think they said we're gonna pump this in, and then we're gonna put the other thing in, and you're gonna, you know, you know, gonna start slowly dozing off. And within five minutes before I could even sort of think about, you know, um, what I was going to say next, like I just felt myself slowly, you know, falling asleep. And um, I went off to sleep and I felt like I slept for hours, but I couldn't remember a single thing. And I didn't feel like I dreamed almost like I, you know, I've I've had um, sometimes like bad sleep, you know, where I've, I've went to sleep and I felt like I've just had my eyes closed the entire time. And I'm sort of trying to get to sleep, but it's not quite working. But this time I felt like I actually slept, but I didn't have any dreams. It was really weird. Uh, and I don't remember anything. And I probably did have dreams, but I don't remember any of them. And I don't, like, I didn't feel like I had any when I was asleep. 
um, and I felt like I slept for hours on end, but um, I think I only slept for maybe two hours, and I felt like I slept for a whole, not, not maybe not a whole eight, but like a, like almost almost a whole eight, uh, like a, like at least six hours or something, and I got up and uh, <laughs> I you know, it took me it took me a long time to just sort of adjust to to how I was feeling. I felt really. The, the the headache wasn't coming back, but the dizziness came back, and it was like I had it was like I was waking up with a hangover, like a massive hangover, just so you know, just completely uh, hungover and just completely in a in a state of dread, and uh, I couldn't get up for a while, and they wouldn't let me get up for a while because of the the state I was in, and. Um, I, you know, before I felt like so hungry, but at that point I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to eat anything. And they were giving me some food to eat and I just couldn't stomach it. Uh, I, you know, I had these stitches in now and it was pulling as well. So I tried, I think I tried chewing like on a cookie or something they had there or some sort of food and it was just too, it was, it was too hard. So I ended up just eating, uh, they had jelly and they had a bunch of jellies and I just ended up, I think I ended up eating like three no two of those and then another one when i got back to the place um because we ended up staying the 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 hospital wanted me to stay somewhere overnight in dunedin they couldn't get me a room for that night so i ended up staying at a motel and uh i after the operation i had this big headband wrapped around me and uh my (laughs) my dad uh it was very funny um well kind of gross but funny um I had these free, these free like uh, what looked like icicles from from my from my head, like outside of the bandage, and I thought that was like part of the stitching. I thought it was some weird stitching, like three big you know stitches or something. Uh, turns out that was actually, and I'm sorry to gross out some of the listeners here, but this was three big particles of dry blood that were just sticking out. My dad just sort of um, just sort of gently pushed on some of them and got got some of them out and um i couldn't take the bandaging out until we got back to the place uh and i think some of it we couldn't take out till the morning some of it had to stay in so obviously the stitches couldn't come out but there was some some band there was one one of the no i think it was the whole bandage actually had to stay stay on till the the whole uh the whole night um and so i went back i was just completely dizzy i ended up tried walking i just you know couldn't do it and i ended up uh going to sleep for two hours and then waking up and you know my dad tried offering me food while I, before i was going to sleep and i just couldn't eat anything he went and got even kfc and that was the last thing i wanted to eat actually because they told me maybe stay away from greasy and, and oily food and my dad got that exact thing and i was like oh i don't know if i want to eat kfc actually um, but that's something my dad got, and so um, I had this big bucket of KFC, and then, yeah, after about two, maybe four hours, I finally started eating, like, food again, and just sculfing it down, like, I was ridiculously hungry, and um, I ate, like, four bits of chicken, and, and like, almost a whole packet of, of chips, dad had got two packets of chips, and I was, you know, drinking some tea as well, and just uh you know and there was there was jelly still in there um i saved two for breakfast and i had one i had two for for tea as well so i had those two 
And then um, I, yeah, I read, I read my books for maybe about another hour and then just went to sleep again. And the next morning, I had to take the packaging off and uh, I had these stitches in for two weeks. And, you know, they said you should probably take two weeks off of your course. So, you know, most people, when they have, you know, some sort of injury, like they have a, a cast or something on their arm, you know, they do consider it a break. It's the Netflix and, and chill sort of thing you could do when your arm's broken or your leg's broken. When your ears, like, you know, when you've had an ear operation and you've got stitches in, it's a whole other story. And you can, you know, you could do a lot of book reading. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to do was sit around and read books all day uh, after being at a music, you know, after being at an audio course where I didn't really have to do any written papers uh, when I was in Byron, um, but I still, you know, I, well, I, I was actually doing my, my full um, 4,000 word write-up for my major project, and uh, I did do some of that while I was, you know, with the, with the air thing in, but I, you know, after doing all that and still doing some of that, I, the last thing I wanted to do was just read, straight read. Um, and, and especially not all the time, I was willing to do a little bit of that occasionally, but I didn't want to do it all the time. So I wasn't, you know, um, I, I, you know, I didn't want to read as much. I wanted to watch things. I wanted to listen to music because, you know, I'd had this operation. I'd be waiting to hear. And then I got told two weeks, you know, and I was like, well, I'm on a break. And now I can't, you know, do the things I'd want to do on a break, which is, you know, especially if I'm uh, told to stay in bed as well. That's what they said. Like, you can get out, but you probably want to stay in bed more because you're going to feel a bit of weirdness, a bit of heaviness. You're going to feel your uh, left foot quite a bit, you know, in your air uh, because it's blocked up. You're going to, you know, it's going to feel weird walking. So I didn't actually get up out of bed for like the first week uh, a couple of times. I had to push myself to get out of bed and, and go for walks and stuff. And I didn't enjoy it. I really hated it sometimes because of the, the sound and um, because of how I felt. I felt really sluggish um, and I felt really drained and I couldn't eat hard foods um, for a while. I, I would sometimes try, but uh, I didn't, you know, I almost felt like I was going to have to go vegan or vegetarian or something for a week or like go on soups or something because um, I would get like a chunk of meat or even just a biscuit. I try one of those and I chew on it, and I would feel uh, I would feel my you know my whole jaw. The stitches would pull like on my ear, um, on my left side of my face because it's connected to my jaw, and that would just pull the entire jaw every time. And uh, the annoying thing was I couldn't smile too much either when I did that. Like if I got a really really happy and you know my cheeks pushed really high up, then my jaw would be feeling it and I would be in pain. Um, or I would just be irritating and itchy. Um, like the pain went after about two or three days. I was on painkillers and some other stuff as well. Uh, but the itchiness was like unbearable sometimes. And the, just the irritation every time it like jolted back. If I had something hard in my mouth or if I had smiled or if, uh, someone had made me laugh, which is ridiculous now, like, you know. I had to, you know, sometimes avoid uh, doing things that made me happy, <laughs> even sometimes. So I was, I was not in a good mood. And actually, when everything had, when I finally got the stitches out, like I wanted another break because I didn't feel like I was on a proper break. I was on like a, I was basically like just 
you know, I felt like I was doing more work, basically, but, you know, I was doing physical body work to try and, and um, you know, with my whole face and, and, and everything. And uh, eventually I got the stitches taken out. I had to go to Dunedin. And uh, here's the place I was going to mention before. I, I stayed at a backpackers uh, in Dunedin. It's called the Geeky Gecko. And uh, I feel bad because they might, they might even listen to this podcast. Um, they don't know me personally. And I, haven't, I haven't put any stuff out there. But if they do discover this, they might be upset that I might say this. But I feel I should be honest uh, generally on the podcast and state my opinion. And uh, I, I went to this place. The guy who was running it was a really nice guy. And, um, you know, there was a really cool alien statue uh, thing when I went in. And uh, when you see a place called the Geeky Gecko, you assume it's going to be a very geeky place. And I got in there and um, I wouldn't really say it was that geeky. It was just like any other motel I stayed in. Uh, they had books like in one area and they had like a... You know, they had a TV and they'd sometimes do movie nights and stuff. And, you know, some of the stuff was maybe geeky, but I remember the guy just uh, watched some South Park and I was like, well, you know, um, South Park has some geeky references, but it's not that geeky. But, you know, whatever, I guess, you know, he wants to watch that, you know, no one else has said anything. But I don't know. I felt like uh, the, the common room maybe should have had some video games or um, like a D&D thing table somewhere or something. It just, you know. When I think of a place that's called the Geeky Gecko, I, I think of geeky stuff being around that I didn't really feel like it was a very geeky place. Uh, and there was a lot of just regular, you know, and, and it's not that regular people can't stay at a place called the Geeky Gecko, but if you call something like that, you kind of expect it to be kind of geeky um, and not just like a casual, just a backpackers that had a lot of problems. Um, some people online have complained about the state of the bathrooms and stuff. I went into one of the bathrooms. I thought it was fine. Uh, you know, my biggest problem was the room that I stayed in. I was happy to have my own room, but I felt like I was in like a, well, not a prison, but like a, some sort of institution or something. It was like a, just white walls, no, like just a light in there, um, nothing else, very cramped in like double, you know, bunk beds, which is fine. Like, you know, I've stayed in cramped places before. My hostel in Japan was kind of cramped, but that hostel in Japan at least was, uh, you know, it was, it, was, um, it was somewhat nice, like the actual the layout of it, and, and there was like a big chest of drawers, and it seemed like someone had actually tried to make it, you know, look like welcoming, uh, versus this one just, just looked like I was in an institution or something. <laughs> And I remember the pillow just felt awful. Like I could, I couldn't, it was, I felt like my head just went straight through it. Like it just didn't feel like there was much, uh, you know, fluff in it. Like it felt just, you know, so I felt like I was just going through and just using most of the bed for, for like as the pillow. And then the other problem I had was there was this big giant window behind me that had a massive circular hole. And um, that was freaking awful. So, because I was hearing everything, and I, it was so bad that there was someone snoring next to me in the other room with their door shut, I'm pretty sure, and I could hear them like they were right next to me, like they were above me. I, in fact, I thought someone had came in at one point in the night and had gone to the top bed and slept in the top bed, but turns out no one was actually going to be staying in that room that night except for me, and um, there was no one in the top bunk, it was just me, but... I could hear everything so well 
that I was hearing, you know, this this person. Um, so yeah, I was I was delighted though to get the stitches out and to you know finally hear things again. Uh, I went and saw you know um, the Joker movie as I said in the last couple of weeks, and that was amazing with my new my new ears because uh, an explosion isn't really that big when you hear it in one ear and um, you only hear it in one speaker. And also, you know, maybe your, you know, my ears were a little bit blocked at that point uh, when I was in Oz and, and, and watching movies. But when I got to see this movie and I got to hear the full sound experience with uh, both my ears and hear that explosion go off, wow, I was just taken back. Uh, I, I almost did like a double take and looked around the room because it just like, it, it frightened me. It pushed me back a bit. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was, uh, you know, having having this is um, having my hearing back has been incredible. Uh, I really hope it's not gonna have any problems. Uh, I've been on drops for I was on drops the last two weeks. I went back on again just because I was getting itchy and some other irritations and stuff. I'm hoping there's not another sign of uh, irritation or another problem coming back. I don't want to have to go in for surgery again. Uh, but I'm trying to keep really positive with this, uh, hoping for the best. You know. I'm loving listening to music again uh, the other night. I played the records uh, that I bought in Milton. That was awesome. Uh, my friend's a DJ, so we did some, some reversing with it and some other cool effects to it uh, and pitching it up. It was, it was just a you know, fun experience and getting to you know, hear the warmth of the record and stuff again was just oh, so cool. <laughs> 